Welcome into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, man oh man, another ACC Thursday night thriller in the books. Joe Robertson, call him Mr. Clutch. I mean, uh, unbelievable uh, performance from him again for the Blue Devils as Duke takes down Virginia 13-12 to in overtime. And, of course, that's what we're going to talk about right here out of the gates here on a Thursday night. Just a few hours removed from that contest, or less than an hour removed from that contest, I should say. And look, I, I, I think the two main takeaways here was... For me, at least, I felt like, so first off, before we get into that, we we need to talk about this Peyton Cormier goal. So Peyton Cormier scores, they call him, in the crease, in the goal mouth, whatever. Um, I I honestly think that was a goal. Um, You can go back and watch it. That was a goal. Virginia probably should have won on that one if Duke doesn't take it down uh, the next possession and score and force overtime anyway. But so get that out of the way there. Uh, that was a freaking goal. That was a highway robbery um, right there of the Wahoos. Now, heck of a game. Heck of a game, of, as I said. 13-12, Duke, Joe Robertson in overtime, comes up clutch again. You know, second second uh, overtime game winner for Joe Robertson this season. You know, Mr. Clutch, as I said in the opener, uh, he ended with two goals and three assists in this one. Uh, you had Michael Sowers with three goals and Brennan O'Neill with three goals and two assists. I thought Brennan O'Neill was... Uh, probably the best player for Duke in this game. Um, offensively speaking, Mike Adler um, was amazing in cage, especially down the stretch. Uh, really both defenses I was very impressed with in this game. Rode and Adler uh, both ended with 16 saves in this one. Very impressed with the goalie play. Very impressed with the defenses. <laughs> JT Giles Harris with the freaking, uh, you know, full, well, not full field, but um, the uh, assist on the clear to O'Neal um, from, I mean, he was pretty well behind the, uh, I mean, he might have been behind the restraining line now that, now, now that I think about it. Um, amazing play from him as well. And just both defenses I thought really shined in this one when they needed to the most. Um, but, Certainly, you know, my, my, my two biggest takeaways from this one, I mentioned O'Neal um, and just how important he was down the stretch um, as a Dodger for this Duke offense. When, look, Michael Sowers, he had three goals, but he was quiet for a bit um, at times tonight. And when he was, especially at the end, Brennan, Brennan O'Neal uh, stepped up and got it done. Uh, O'Neal had uh, the goal to pull Duke within one with 9.55 left 
in the contest. He also had um, a goal in the third, which pulled Duke back ahead 8-7. to seven. Uh, There was about 5, oh, 12, 2. So from like the 12, 50-ish mark to the 7-minute mark, it was back and forth. Um, neither team uh, got a lead, and then you had Virginia go on that three-goal run there, starting with that Lasala goal off the faceoff, and O'Neal had a goal for uh, Duke during that time. Uh, he also had a very, very uh, strong first half as well, assist uh, you know, right out of the gates in the second uh, and then followed that up with a goal, not even a, well, just over a minute later. And then just a few minutes later, another assist from him. So Brennan O'Neill, I, I thought was really the best player for Duke today. Um, and then second would be Joe Robertson. Um, because, and, and those two were, you know, fantastic. And Michael Sowers, like, yes, he had uh, some phenomenal plays, um, you know, putting uh, Brower through a spin cycle there, um, you know, that to end regulation, oh, excuse me, to end the third, uh, to make it a one-goal game once again after Virginia got up 11-9. to nine. So, you know, Sowers did his thing, wasn't as dominant um, as we've seen him be at times in the past. But as I've mentioned before, this is a Duke offense. Anybody can pick up the torch and run with it any night and tonight. Uh, Brennan O'Neill, Joe Robertson um, were the two guys they were going to. Uh, Phil Robertson got in uh, as well. We had a little brotherly love to start the game with Joe Robertson assisting um, older brother Phil there uh, for the first goal of the game. So for for Duke, honestly, really, Brennan O'Neill, Joe Robertson were their two best players. Now, they struggled at the faceoff dot mightily. Um, Petey Lasala. Um, and I really thought Virginia, this is where Virginia was able to control the game. Um, I mentioned both defenses played pretty well, and I thought both defenses were pretty pretty even, uh, to be honest with you. But the faceoff dot is where Virginia excelled. Uh, P.D. Lasala looking like the P.D. Lasala of old, continuing. Um, the past couple of games, he's been really good. Obviously, had that huge second half uh, for the Cavaliers against Carolina on Saturday. Um, he has another big game today, 18 for 27 at the faceoff dot. Uh, we saw Doc Sakin and Charlie Bertrand, uh, in, you know, get back to their usual form after uh, a couple down games, I would say. Uh, Bertrand's, you know, been down a bit more than Aiken has um, after really exploding in the first half of the season. Uh, Aiken obviously was slow to start and has kind of you know progressed with this Virginia offense. He had a couple down weeks the past couple weeks after two big weeks, uh, but you know he was back on his thing this uh, today on Thursday. So you know, really, I, I I would not be first of all I wouldn't be opposed to it, and I would not be surprised if we um, see these two teams again. Um, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, these two teams played in the semifinals um, of the NCAA tournament 
on what was that 2019 um back in where the heck was that held is that in foxborough i believe it was um the philly it, it doesn't matter but you know the, the, these two teams played in the semifinals the last time i wouldn't be opposed to another matchup between these two um this was a heck of a game man and, and these are these two teams obviously showed you why they're top five teams. Now, as far as what this means for both teams, Duke able to bounce back off that off that loss over Notre Dame, and I honestly thought this was Duke's best game this season. Um, you know, we saw them go on that stretch. They put up five goals in, uh, in a row consecutively from the 6-16 mark to the 12-8. 12 6 16 mark of the first through the 1208 mark in the second. I thought that was Duke's best stretch of the season that I've seen them play so far. Of course, outside of some of the you know cupcake games they've had, that's the best stretch of lacrosse that we've seen from them. And this overall, I would say is the best game of the year that they've played. Um, you know, you look at Notre Dame, uh, at the Notre Dame game especially, um, they did not look well at times, especially in the second half, seemed to have no answer. A lot of mistakes were not clearing the ball uh, very efficiently. And you saw mistakes made made even against Carolina and Syracuse. Um, and they had to win those in overtime um, as well. Well, Syracuse was... A one-goal game, not overtime, but uh, Carolina certainly was an overtime one. Look, the, the, these two teams right here, um, two of the best teams in the country, and they showed you why. On Thursday night, under the lights, Clockner Stadium, fans were in the stands. Fantastic to see that. Um, fantastic game. Fantastic game. Please, lacrosse gods, give us a second matchup between these two. Because that was one fun lacrosse game. Now moving back a bit to some of the midweek games that we had this week. Um, we saw Mount St. Mary's beat Sacred Heart to pick up their first conference win of the season. And Marquette beat St. John's in overtime to win their first conference uh, game of the season or in their first conference win of the season, I should say. So congrats to those two teams, but um, we're not necessarily going to talk about either of those games because we've got to talk about Towson, and, and this is going to, you know, kind of segue into the weekend as well. Um, the Towson Tigers uh, take down Hofstra, uh, upset Hofstra. Um, coming off their first conference one of the season over Fairfield, you know, a lot of chatter around the country of can Towson go on this run here? Um, you know, they've got, pulled, as I pulled their schedule here, obviously played Towson, uh, excuse me, played Hofstra on uh, Tuesday. And then when we look at Towson the rest of of this season, you know, they will play this weekend UMass and then Delaware 
and Drexel. Um, Hofstra, they had lost to them by one goal in their first meeting. They beat them 10-8 to on Tuesday. Uh, they have not played UMass, but they have played Delaware and Drexel. And guess what? They lost to them, lose to Drexel by two, lose to Delaware by one. You know, there's a, I mean, they're not that far off from any of these teams. I'm interested to see how they play against UMass, especially a UMass team that is coming off a loss against Hofstra last week um, and, and, and also losing to Drexel um, about a, a week prior to that as well. So um, I'm interested to see what they look like against that UMass team that, and I've mentioned before, UMass, after, they always seem to play angry after some of these losses, and we saw that against Hofstra the first time around. Do we see that against Towson? I don't know. Um, so I am in, am interested to see what they look like against UMass. But got to give the Tigers props. Sean Adelin and his squad looked fantastic on Tuesday. Um, you know, get the 10-8 to 8 upset win. Um, you know, they were able to, you know, pull out a a three-goal run to get up 3-0 early on. And they were up 7-3 at the half, which, ironically, they were down 7-3 at the half on uh, last Saturday against Fairfield. Flip the script here um, against Hofstra. And, and this Towson offense and this really Towson defense, I was very impressed with. Uh, but Towson's offense looks a lot better than they have all year. Their defense is more solid. Shane Brennan is looking consistent um, after some maybe not so consistent performances early on. Um, and, and look like I, you know, I know Kobe Smith. You know they put him on uh, Tierney, and you know, Tierney ended the day with uh, three goals, and Kobe Smith did a great job on him. But I mean, I, I got to give some props to these two, uh, you know, freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Uh, Colby Balls and uh, Garrett, uh, not even going to try to pronounce that last name uh, with a Z. Um, Y'all know who I'm talking about. Fantastic, fantastic performances from those two. Was very impressed with their play. Um, They each had two of the best performances of the season on Tuesday. Uh, For Balls, you had two two ground balls and four caused turnovers. Uh, for Garrett, you had three ground balls and two caused turnovers. So, I mean, th- those two, and as a freshman and redshirt freshman to step up and do that, um, and, and certainly during this late stretch, uh, this is where we see a lot of those younger guys step up, and that seems to be happening on the defensive end. 4,000 uh, was very, very impressed with those two uh, there. And, and really, I thought... Hofstra's defense played well in the second half, uh, but certainly that first half could not stop this uh, this Towson offense. Um, and you know we, we we've mentioned before it, it's well documented um, the faceoff dot has not been uh, the strong suit of Towson over the past couple 
of seasons, certainly since uh, losing um, Alex Woodall, but uh, and they didn't you know play very well on on Tuesday as well. Brian Herbert for Hofstra goes fifteen for twenty, but uh, they did something that I don't think I've seen them do um, in a while, which is find a way to neutralize your losses at the faceoff dot. And and, and and you do that with, with impressive defensive play, and they were able to do that. So big one there for Towson. Um, as I said, you know, that sets up a, a, an interesting weekend in the CAA um, where the craziness just continues. Um, you know, I, you know are, are we sure CAA stands for Colonial Athletic Association and not Crazy Athletic Association? Because, I mean, it, it sure seems like it could. Especially this year, um, but you know, c- c- coming into Saturday, you know, w- we've got Delaware sitting atop that conference at four and one, coming off their first conference loss of the season against Drexel. Um, you know, the Blue Hens they are looking to rebound against their Hofstra, against that Hofstra team coming off that loss on Tuesday. Um, Towson and, and believe everyone. So Hofstra. UMass, Drexel, all three and two, sitting in that second place spot right now. Um, I think Hofstra's in that second place because I think they have wins. They have not played Drexel yet, I don't believe, but they've beaten UMass, so they're in that second. Oh, actually, no, Drexel's in that second spot, um, and then you have Hofstra and UMass, uh, but all tied three and two there um, with the conference record. Uh, Towson sitting there with two and three. Obviously, we mentioned they go take on UMass this weekend. Um, and then, you know, Drexel goes to Fairfield. So, you know, I, I would assume they win that one. But, you know, it, it is the the, the CAA. Um, and it, it is the 2021 CAA. So, um, it'll be a very interesting weekend. Um, when you look at, you know, Delaware sitting at the top, Drexel, Hofstra, and UMass all having two and three records in conference play. and then. Towson sitting at two and three. Um, excuse me, Drexel, Hofstra, UMass all having three and two records, and then Towson sitting there at two and three. Um, we could see even more shakeup this weekend um, in a conference uh, that's been the most off the rails this season, obviously outside of the ACC. Speaking of the ACC, uh, we, we really only have one big. Well, we do have one big ACC game this weekend. Um, as Syracuse looks to get back on track ACC-wise, um, obviously beat Albany last week on Thursday, but they will welcome North Carolina to the Dome. You know, for me, you know, I really what I want to see for Syracuse is, it, it, you know, I think North Carolina is the better team, obviously. Um, but it's the ACC, so who the heck knows, right? Um, but I, I do think that it's going to be crucial that Syracuse is able to control the possession battle because we've seen when they can get the ball and when they can get it inside, when they can, when, when they can use their, their midfield, when they can use their attack, when they can use their offense the right way, when they can get into a groove. They can beat anybody, but they have to control that possession battle to be able to do it. 
I've said all year, I don't think their defense is good enough to even out their uh, piss-poor play at the face-off dot at times. And you're playing Andrew Tyler and Zach Tucci this weekend. Do Jacob Fopp and Danny Vallello, uh, how do they stack up against uh, against Tyler and Tucci? And will we see J- uh, Jake Savage get some run in there as well if things do go awry? Um, he you know, mixed some things up against Notre Dame. We'll see how they attack that face-off dot, but I think really the possession battle here for both teams is most important of all um, in this game, especially for Syracuse if they want to get back on track. Carolina obviously coming off that loss against Virginia. And like they didn't necessarily play bad against Virginia. Um, Virginia hit a spark late in the game, and they rode that wave to the end. Um, I, I really don't, and I went back and watched that one. You know, I don't really know exactly what Carolina could have done differently differently in those final few minutes. Obviously, they had some defensive collapses. Lasala got hot of the dot. Just can't let those things happen. And and we've seen Carolina go on stretches like that this year where they kind of let things get away from them. But they're able to collect themselves. Um, so, uh, you know, for Carolina, I, I think just staying consistent and, and just doing what you do best. Um, we know what Bowen and what Craig can do um, on the defensive end. We know what Chris Gray, you know, Nicky Solomon, and even William Paley, who stepped up and had a big game last weekend. We know what this Carolina offense is. So um, I, I really do think the possession battle is really going to – obviously, that's important of every game. Uh, but I think it's especially important in this game especially for Syracuse, because I think North Carolina, you know, I, I would mark them up to win the possession battle just right off the bat. Um, not only with Tucci and Tyler at the faceoff dot, but with the Carolina ride and what they've been able to do uh, riding and, and defensively this year as well. So uh, that'll certainly be an interesting one there. In the Dome, uh, last game here to dive into really – uh, Denver, Georgetown, part two, the Pios and the Hoyas going head-to-head in Washington, D.C. One of the biggest, well, the biggest Big East contest of the season. Um, obviously, these two played in Denver last month, almost a month to the day. Um, it'll be a month tomorrow from uh, when that game was played um, here on a Thursday night, so talking about Friday when probably most of y'all are listening. Um, Pioneers, you know, they, they beat they beat the Hoyas 13-7 to last month. Um, and they looked, they, they were very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Consistent, steady, what are you going to call it? Um, they didn't really do anything special in that game that I can recall. They just played better. Better offense, made better better decisions. Um, and the face-off dot, like, when you look at Stathakis and James Riley, it was 50-50 pretty much. Um, I think Stathakis was like 52%, and Riley was 48 but that's not much off of 50% even. Um, and so both, like, 
And and Georgetown had some stretches with Riley where they got some wins. Staticus, they had some stretches. So um, that is, is certainly something to watch. Not because of Staticus, though, because of T.D. Irwin. Um, look, I, I, I and and certainly I want to see Georgetown step it up. I mean, they've been lollygagging around here against Marquette and Villanova. You know, you know, if if I'm Denver and, and, and I see that, you know, I'm not necessarily saying okay, these guys aren't in it. Um, these guys have been lollygagging around while we've been just absolutely blasting teams. Um, but I am going into this game, you know, kind of looking at it as an opportunity to say, okay, are they 100% there? Can we blast them? I'm not saying Georgetown is not 100% there, but you look at the past couple games, eh, outside of St. John's has not been very pretty. Um, but back to TD Irwin and, and, and the Pios. You know, how how does Georgetown counter that? Can James Riley go you know, toe-to-toe with T.D. Irwin as he did with Staticus pretty much? Um, and then we we know they're going to use Irwin, Staticus, maybe even Brett Booz. We know they're going to use all three of those guys most likely. So I think that overall, you know, it, it, is the way – you know, is the biggest question for me is how Georgetown attacks that. Because everything else is the same. Now, I will mention, um, Georgetown does have Gibson, Gib, Gibson Smith back. So how he plays, how he factors into that defense against this Denver offense, I think we're going to see Georgetown. I think it will be a much closer game this time around. And I think he will factor in quite a bit. Um, despite only being back, I think, what, one or two games um, since having that injury early in the season. So we'll see how that goes on. But, again, like, as as far as – I know we're getting late in the season here and talking everything NCAA tournament, but um, this, this game really is going to decide that number one seed um, in the uh, Big East tournament. Um, certainly if Denver wins it, they lock up that seed. If if Georgetown wins it, I think there's a uh, – obviously there will be a tiebreaker, and, and I would assume – I don't know exactly how they do that, but I would assume Denver would probably get it because if they do buy score differential um, of common opponents, I would assume Denver would get that one seed. But, um, you know, Georgetown could end up getting it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure – how they do that, I don't have that uh, process popped up in front of me right now on the computer. But that that's certainly the, the biggest one of the week, uh, of the weekend, that, that you got to keep your eyes on. Um, I don't know. I know the Lafayette-Lehigh uh, Lafayette games on CBS Sports Network uh, – they play twice this weekend, Friday and on um, Sunday. Uh, should mention Albany, Vermont has been uh, canceled or postponed. So 
that's why we didn't preview that one. Uh, that one's also on Friday. Um, yeah, this one is on FS2. So you can watch it online or on TV on FS2, Fox Sports 2 is what this one's on. Um, so big one there in the Big East. Um, got a couple other big ones here in conferences. Um, NEC, Bryant, St. Joseph's. Hawks are looking to stay unbeaten uh, in conference play. Stay travel to Bryant. Um, Bryant is third place in the NEC right now. Uh, the Hawks obviously riding a five-game winning streak um, and have won their last two games in overtime. Uh, while Bryant fell to Hobart uh, their last time out, they were off last weekend uh, due to COVID issues within the LIU program, I believe. Um, and then in the SoCon, we have Richmond uh, taking on Jacksonville um, in a battle for first place in the SoCon. Um, you know, Richmond did not play last weekend. Their game against Mosa was canceled or postponed due to COVID issues, so uh, they're back at it this week. Um, Jacksonville coming after coming in after an 11-5 win over Air Force. Then we have Rutgers and Johns Hopkins and Maryland and Ohio State in the Big Ten. You know, don't think there's much, much to those ones there. Certainly, Maryland has already locked up that number one seed in the Big Ten tournament and claimed the Big Ten regular season title. Rutgers sitting there in second, looking to continue to win on Saturday. As always, thank you all for listening. You can find us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my personal, at Tanner underscore Dimling, the website, lacrossebucket.com. Have a great weekend and enjoy the lacrosse.